Hello, and welcome to the Canopy Boulder podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Each week, we'll give you our perspectives on the latest news in the industry, bringing you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and the industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, valuation, and pitching investors. Why would we take on such a challenge? Well, we've helped launch 80 companies into the cannabis industry here at Canopy Boulder and made over 100 individual investments into these companies. So you might say we have the inside line on things. So join us as we take you deeper into legal cannabis and uncover all the nuances of starting up and investing in the cannabis industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Canopy Boulder podcast. I'm Celia Daly. I'm the marketing manager here at Canopy Boulder. And today we have Tristan Watkins, who is the chief science officer for Lucid Mood and who holds a PhD in neuroscience. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about the science behind cannabis um, and how that applies to brands. So welcome, Tristan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So can you give us a little bit of a background on yourself um, and maybe a little bit about Lucid Mood as well and what you guys do? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Uh, So as you already mentioned, I'm a PhD neuroscientist. Uh, I started a lot of my research actually looking at uh, drug research, specifically MDMA and cannabis and the effects on the brain and kind of future behaviors. Uh, Then I transitioned a little bit into uh, kind of how the, the, the things that you eat and kind of uh, you know, changes in behaviors and exercise can kind of alter the structure and function of your brain. And then, of course, future behaviors after that. Um, and really during during that time, um, we saw this uh, sort of push for legalization happening in a few different states. Uh, you know, we're a few years in in Colorado already. And I actually, you know, get dedicated a good portion of my time just starting to research cannabis on its own, on its own, like what the plant is, what's in the plant, try to find some answers as to why there's all these anecdotal reports on cannabis doing this, this, and the other thing. Uh, but seemingly no one knows why any of this has happened. Uh, so, you know, it just led me to, to really start learning, researching beyond THC and really into what things like CBD, CBC, um, all of these types of terpenes that you can find naturally expressed in the plant. Uh, really just, you know, kind of kind of got that grounding, uh, knowing that I wanted to, you know, leave Nashville, come out to Colorado and uh, join a company like Lucid Mood, actually. Cool. So just for those of us, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Lucid Mood, what what is Lucid Mood? Uh, yeah, so we are a company that actually formulates cannabis products. Uh, so I had already kind of mentioned about how cannabis has all these potential benefits. Uh, it turns out that you know a lot of that is caused by the you know hundreds of compounds that are naturally expressed within cannabis. And sort of our philosophy is if we want to if we actually break that plant down in each individual compound, and then we can essentially formulate specific products only with the compounds that are going to have that benefit, and we leave anything else out. So if we have a product that's intended to, you know, help you feel more energetic or wakeful, you know, we'd have almost no overlap in terpenes that you'd find in our product that's supposed to make you sleepy, right? Uh, So really, you know, we just create these 
uh, we formulate products and then we brand them by the effect. And that way someone can just walk into the dispensary, have really minimal knowledge of cannabis, but be able to point at exactly how they want to feel. And it's basically as simple as that. That's awesome. Um, especially I think as we see so many new users enter the space and kind of go into a dispensary and be totally overwhelmed um, and not even kind of know where to begin uh, with that process. I guess that kind of begs the question then, um, you know, how do you, and, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about like how Lucid Mood sort of gets, uh, gets that information. But in general, you know, we're in a brand new industry um, at, where are we on the science, right? There's a lot of talk about it's scheduled a certain way, which means we can't do research. Um, so where are we in the science of cannabis? What do we actually know? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that question alone could be, you know, about a 20 minute discussion. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a few different ways to really look at it. Um, so as far as, you know, your standard, how, how most of the general public thinks about drug research and, you know, specifically like through the FDA or grants funded by various funding agencies like the National Institute of Health or something like that. Um, we're almost nowhere on that. Uh, there's very little of that type of research going on, uh, especially with things related to THC. Um, at least in this sort of basic research world. So, you know, we're seeing a few studies pop up. Actually, there, you know, there's a couple that are happening at CU Boulder right now where they're essentially driving to an individual's home, allowing them to smoke a certain strain or product, and then sort of testing their before and after cognitive capacities. Uh, so, you know, that's, it's, it's a really interesting study. It's great to see something like that happening. And I, I, you know, it took a lot of effort just to get that funded and get it approved. Um, but that's about as far as we're, we're at when it comes to looking at THC specifically. Now, CBD, on the other hand, there's a lot more research that's been going on. Um, as, a, as some of the listeners will be aware of, Epidiolex was just approved by the FDA. Epidiolex being essentially a purified CBD um, medication or prescription, if you will, uh, you know, and it was specifically approved to help with, uh, to help decrease seizures with an epilepsy. Uh, so, you know, in the CBD non-psychoactive front, we're starting to see some really good basic research and clinical trials really showing the benefits of CBD. And then lastly, I think one other major component of the plant is to think of terpenes. Now, terpenes have never been scheduled and you can find them across a variety of different plants. So you don't have to just, they're not just in cannabis. And a lot of uh, countries, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but primarily countries like Brazil and Japan have dedicated a lot of effort and uh, resources into, you know, kind of studying how natural compounds work in the body. And we've seen, you know, a pretty solid amount of good research coming out about, you know, purified terpenes or essential oils or just natural medicines as a whole. Cool. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit, just um, very briefly, sort of what's the difference between THC and CBD? Um, sort of just a very overview for anyone who's maybe not as familiar. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say the main difference for, you know, a complete novice that's walking into a dispensary and trying to buy something, CBD isn't going to get you high. That's, that right there is, is sort of the most important. Um, it doesn't act like THC in that way. Um, now they both have medicinal value. CBD itself um, seems to at least be consistently recognized as being 
you know, anxiolytics, so it reduces anxiety, um, you know, reducing the number of seizures and epilepsy, um, and potentially, or, and, and, uh, you know, fairly anti-inflammatory as well, with a variety of other, you know, studies being published on it that, you know, could probably use a little bit more backing research for for us to make really solid claims on. Whereas THC, you know, it, it's been shown to help with things like PTSD, specifically, uh, was it like uh, like nightmares or night terrors and PTSD, mm-hmm. um, things like pain as well as CBD and a few other things. So we we you know we're finding medicinal benefit or medicinal value in both. But you know THC gets you high, so it also has that really fun recreational side to it as well. So you mentioned um, when talking about CBD, you know there needs to be a little bit more research. So in your scientific PhD opinion. Um, what does that look like? What do we what do we need to do um, to get to a place where we're researching, and then what kind of research do we need to be doing? Yeah. Um, so I don't want to. How do I say this in the most objective way? Uh, a lot of research starts with enough public interest to warrant funding from a federal entity, if that makes. So. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to start seeing that with CBD. I mean, it's happening. The floodgates are beginning to open. The farm bill might make make huge changes. I always just saw the DEA re- officially rescheduled CBD from a schedule one to schedule four, assuming that it was FDA approved. So they basically just reschedule it for Epidiolex and that's it. Um, but, you know, and so I'm kind of actually highlighting some of, some of the issues with, with starting to get more public funding. I, I think that there's still a little bit negative stigma. So we're not getting some of these universities, you know, really wanting to put the resources into actually applying for these grants to do this research. Um, and, you know, it's really expensive. Research can cost, you know, a study can easily cost a quarter million dollars over an entire year. And right now, I think fund, funding's the, the main the main thing. Um, once that funding actually occurs though, you know, I think it, we just need to start doing some, a, a good amount of basic research, ensuring that CBD is actually hitting this receptor and not this receptor. There's a lot of misconceptions about how CBD works already. Um, and I think we're going to find out that we have a pretty incomplete photo or picture of a lot of these cannabinoids. Uh, and that really, I think it starts at learning where they act in the body first. And then we can start building up these studies in a more behavioral or clinical site type trials. Cool. All right. So, you know, obviously we're not quite there yet. I think, I think I hear that over and over again, right. When we sort of have these discussions around cannabis and um, you know, I think working in the industry, people often will ask me like, what do I need to take for X? And it's like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think yeah, you yeah, could exactly. ask me. Right? I think the general uh, consensus that, that you always get when those questions get asked is we just don't have the science, right? We just, we don't know. Um, we're all kind of guessing a little bit. So um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, how science is sort of informing these cannabis brands. I mean, obviously you're working on a product uh, that's designed to kind of create a, you know, a specific type of reaction in the consumer. So how are, how are you guys looking at this? What does your process look like? Uh, yeah, so I, I will acknowledge that there's no, you know, black and white answers here. As you were mentioning, there's 
you can't there's no obvious answer for oh i should you should take this for there, there's probably multiple multiple answers but what you can do is essentially look at the literature of what we have now um do you do your initial testing kind of in-house and then you can make really informed guesses uh well informed estimations i should say um that are a lot better than just you know, hopping on leafly.com and seeing their report on, on some terpene or some string, right? Um, so, you know, my, my initial method is essentially, I go through and read every single paper that was written on one single terpene, right? And I do that for the top 10 terpenes that I think might help, uh, might, might, might produce this, this one specific effect that I'm looking for. And then, you know, if that research, if you have a bunch of Bunch of arrows pointing to the same thing. So let's use what's really good. An easy one would be like linalool. It's the primary terpene that's found in lavender. Mm -hmm. Lavender has been associated pretty regularly with relaxation, at least in the aromatherapy world. So you know what I what I'll do is look at all the research on linalool, see what uh, receptors it hits, see what sort of initial behavioral studies have been done in humans, what behavioral studies have been done in rodents. And if you get a lot of information, a lot of results that all point in the same direction, well, then it seems, okay, it's pretty likely that linalool is in fact relaxing through this receptor type and it should lot, you know, the relaxation should last for this long. So then it allows us to form a hypothesis that we can go through and then test. So we'll start with a single terpene, then we'll do another single terpene. If we get two or three that really consistently produce the same effect, then we start exploring how they work together. So it's a bit of a you know stepwise process where you just have to build on prior knowledge because there isn't really you know this this wealth of information that allows you to come to an immediate conclusion. Sure, and I, I bet that's a pretty ongoing process, right? Oh yeah, it, it, it's continual, um, especially, you know, research is constantly coming out, um, our access to individualized compounds, so like to purify, whether it's a terpene or purified other cannabinoids, it, it continues to grow. So then we need to, you know, research that and kind of stay ahead of the game. Um, definitely continual, um, definitely really fun though. Yeah. Awesome. So where did, you know, where did Lucid Mood kind of grow out of, right? What was the need or sort of the consumer trend um, that caused this? Like, what are consumers looking for? Yeah, I think that there's sort of the spectrum of consumer, right? You have a lot of the initial consumers that were either there for the, the medical benefit or the quotation marks medical benefit or just the pure recreational side. And generally, everything was surrounding THC. So I think what happened and what continues to happen in, in new and emerging markets is there's this huge push to create a really high THC product that smells really great and gets you nice and ripped, right? And that generally hits, that, hits the majority of the market for the first few years because in general, the new users are still considered, I mean, the, the, the constant cannabis user is still relatively kind of fringe at this point, um, at least in the, you know, if you look at the gestalt of, of how our country looks at cannabis. But now what we're seeing is this, this newcomer, and it's either the person that is finally trying cannabis the first time because it's actually legal, or, you know, they tried it back in the 60s, gave it up since, and, you know, I, and with both of these people, 
they're not used to really high THC products, right? I'm sure we've all heard the, oh, weed isn't what it used to be, right? And it's true. I mean, we went from like 3% by weight to 25% by weight in just flour. So it's a totally different, different type of uh, product than what a lot of these people are used to. So we saw this incoming group and we decided to make these products that were all a one-to-one. -one. So that's an equal ratio of THC to CBD. And what's really nice about that one-to-one -one is that it delivers a really mild experience. It actually, it's almost like putting training wheels on cannabis where, you know, you're not going to accidentally dose yourself and find yourself paranoid or socially awkward or anxious or, you know, kind of severe memory impairment. A lot of these, you know, sort of side effects that can happen to first time or, or you know, newer users. So essentially when we wanted to create a product that was really mild really, really consistent and didn't require like a bachelor's in weed to actually know what you're picking. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's why our product is that one-to-one. -one. It's an easily used, used uh, vaporizer pen that's dose limited and everything is formulated in a way that a customer can just say how they want to feel and then basically select that product based on its name. Yeah, for sure. Actually, Tristan, you're the one who told me about sort of adding CBD to my sort of smoking regiment um, and it has like totally changed the way that, <laughs> that I consume cannabis. Um, I, I really appreciate having that CBD and even when you go into the dispensary and you ask for something that's you're like, well, what's the CBD? And they're like, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. We don't, why don't you want 30% THC? <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly. know. Maybe that's not what I want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. I, I buy CBD isolate and then I'll even get like concentrate that I remelt down and incorporate CBD into. So I can even take like a one-to-one -one dab on the times that I want that. Like it's, I, yeah. I, I very much love adding CBD. Not yeah. always, there's totally times when you don't want it, but it's a great addition to regimen. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. So how do brands, your kind of brand, I mean, how do you communicate this to consumers? This is obviously very different um, them sort of what we think of when we think of the dispensary, right? I was, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she was saying, she's like, I go to a dispensary. I don't know. I just go and I want weed. Right. So how do we consume, how do we sort of communicate to, um, the consumer what the benefits are of doing something like, um, kind of adding these other terpenes in, um, to the product or, or these other compounds? Yeah, so this is actually a really tough one. Uh, there's so many sort of restrictions on what you're allowed to say in any advertising and marketing campaigns that it's hard to just give a straightforward and effective like blurb on what the product is. Um, what we have noticed though is that um, really trial is the best description of this. So you can explain to novice all you want about all these different compounds and how these ratios work good and how these terpenes do this and this. And in general, it kind of goes over their head. So a lot of it is about trial. So we, you know, we've been running a lot of promotions just to get the product in people's hands. And what we find is once they try it, it it's relatively, you know, you basically have a converted user. Um, now, one thing that we're starting to look into and that we've been starting to see is really the use of like, you know, PR news stories that talk about that really push how CBD is completely different, you know, how it can help offset some of these impairing effects of THC and things like that. So, you know, maybe generating some awareness around CBD 
and some excitement for these new users to go in and try it and almost create this almost like stepping stone process into cannabis. I mean, it's exactly how I got my mom who now lives in Florida. She has her med card. I'm really proud of her for finally taking the plunge. But we're talking 18 month process of just getting her to try CBD on its own just to realize like, no, not all cannabis gets you really high. It's like not the devil's lettuce. There's plenty of other options. So I'm like <laughs> to like a, a two to one to a one to one, right? And we still, we're 18 months in, she still hasn't tried just a straight up THC product. And that's fine. I, you know, she's getting the, the benefits that she needs and there's no reason for her to step into, you know, the higher THC dose. And I really think that, you know, giving more people these options will push it further into the mainstream. Sure. So what are sort of, what are the legal implications around sort of quote prescribing treatment, right? I mean, your pens are things that say energy or um, relax, that kind of thing. I mean, what, what obstacles do you run into there? Yeah. uh, So I I think there's really kind of two parts to hit on this. The idea of prescribing a treatment, you know, that of course varies by state and who you are. So of course, like if you're an actual medical provider that writes medical cards, you can generally speak a little bit more directly on what might be useful for a specific condition. Um, if you are a bud tender or a product manufacturer like us, there isn't really, you, you have to walk within this gray area and really do everything you can not to push it at all. Um, because I mean, the regulatory agencies don't really mess around, at least at the state level. Uh, so you know, we so we have a pen called relax right that's a really general structure function claim we're not saying that this pen treats like generalized anxiety disorder it would be a huge overstatement to make that claim i think that companies that want to make that claim are kind of doing disservice to the rest of the industry because it's it's kind of reducing any validity on on the industry as a whole by making kind of spurious or unfounded claims um so you know you just have to be you have to be careful around it um, and really not, not, and not push it really just kind of be a little bit vague, but that's still better. You know, I'd still argue that at least having a product called relax is better than something, someone would have to, to like go through the indica versus sativa discussion at the, at the counter. Yeah, sure. That definitely makes sense. Um, all right. So let's shift gears a little bit cause we're kind of ending our, our time to chat. So, um, you know, operating a cannabis business, we obviously, this is a cannabis business podcast. So we're sort of thinking about um, what are some of, you know, what are some of the things that come up when operating a cannabis business? So can you talk to us a little bit about any uh, maybe major obstacles that you all have had to overcome? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's, there's a number of things. One thing that I've had to deal with the most personally is kind of the changing regulatory scale. Uh, landscape. I mean, every six months, there's a new bulletin that comes out. And, you know, they're, they're really good about giving enough time for, for a company to, to, to address this and make any necessary changes. But there's ongoing changes. And you just you have to stay on top of absolutely everything. I, I want to be clear that I'm not complaining about this. I actually welcome regulation in this industry. Again, I think it's the the fewer issues and bad stories that people have to say about their cannabis experience, the more it will push into the mainstream. So I, I'm all for the regulations. It just, you know, you have to spend a lot of time staying on top of it. You know, if you're, uh, 
you know, at the CEO level, I know funding can be a little bit challenging. A lot of avenues aren't um, as open uh, just because cannabis is seen as a bit of a risk, uh, to say the least. I think there's major upside, obviously, but it's still a risk. A lot of companies are popping up and a lot of companies are failing. Um, and it, it, it's a really tough one. Um, trying to think, you kind of touched on the whole prescribing. It's kind of hard to tell your story if you're a company like us. You know, if you're just saying, hey, get really high and everyone knows that the higher the THC, you know, generally the higher you'll be, that's one thing. But, you know, it's really hard for us to tell our story about how simple the product is because of some of these sort of restrictions on what you can say. How about any sort of gaps that you guys have come up against or um, maybe some technological things that you um, are having to overcome? Obviously, we are always working with new entrepreneurs. And so it's important that, you know, we think about sort of where those gaps are and how we can fill those um, gaps with maybe new technology or something like that. Or have you guys had any issues like that? Yeah, I think there's a there's a few kind of glaring gaps right now. Um, so if you're like on the product manufacturing side, I'd say uh, easy access to, to purified kind of more trace cannabinoids and trace terpenes would be wonderful. I already know that there's companies out there. Um, actually, thanks to, thanks to your email that you sent out today, I just learned that Kronos purchased Ginkgo for uh, culturing cannabis, culturing cannabinoids. So no longer, you know, kind of moving away from this agricultural model and more of a biotech model where you can essentially grow whatever cannabinoid you want in the land, in the lab itself. You don't have to go through all these, well, it's all genetics, but you don't have to go through this sort of, you know, plant inbreeding and all that stuff, right? Um, I'd also say that kind of consistent and quick dosing, specifically on the edible side, is... Uh, some low-hanging fruit, and there's a there's a number of, of companies that are that are addressing this problem, but I don't think there's one one-stop shop company that really like has this perfectly dialed down. But the idea of you know there's plenty of incoming users that don't want to smoke anything, but they also don't like this variability of just whatever form of edible they take, taking 40 to 60 minutes to kick in. They don't know how how strong it's going to be, and it might last for a lot longer than they want. So really addressing those issues would be really good. Um, I think I had a third. Well, one, and you know, we've kind of hit on this, so I'll make it short. But honestly, just I, I acknowledge that I'm plugging Lucid Mood again. But really formulating formulating cannabis products so that people can select their products by effect, as opposed to kind of having some guesswork into what the strain's going to do. Uh, again, will 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 hit a lot of this new incoming market. Cool. All right. So final question as we wrap up, what do you think the future of the industry looks like? <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is a really tough one. I don't know who can actually answer this one. Um, but I mean, I, we're starting to see it. I think we're going to have major conglomerates and in other industries start, start stepping in. So Coca-Cola has already made their, their uh, announcement into who is it? Uh, a free ad. Aurora. Aurora. Aurora, that's it. Aurora. You saw like Molson has stepped out and said something. You're even seeing smaller beer companies like Lagunitas in California start making constellation brands. Yep, constellation brands. Um, so all the we're we're seeing you're just gonna start seeing cool ideas get picked up by gigantic, you know, cap well capitalized companies, and it's gonna eventually look just like any other industry. 
Uh, it'll be a slowdown a little bit because of federal regulations. But, you know, I, I actually think that's kind of interesting right now because it, I think it has kept a lot of these larger companies at bay for a little bit outside of what we just discussed, which is all pretty recent. It, it's allowed for a lot of interesting and unique innovation, but I don't know if that would have happened if we jumped straight into a completely federally legal model. Um, but, you know, give it time and it'll look just like any other industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was great info. I, I hope our listeners enjoyed, uh, enjoyed your thoughts on sort of the science and everything that goes behind creating a cannabis brand. So we appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. This was great. Awesome. I appreciate the invitation. Well, that's where we're going to leave it. As always, if you have a topic in mind you want to learn more about, send us an email at info at canopyboulder.com or find us on social media at canopyboulder. Please subscribe, rate, leave a review. Let us know what you think. See you next time. Now for the disclaimers. Please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.